Hello and welcome to Word for the Day. This is Father Pete Matthews from St. Patrick's Anglican Church in Lexington, Kentucky. And today's Word for the Day is a continuation of our journey through Genesis 1 through 3. Now we're going to look at um, verse 3 through the rest of the chapter. Actually, verse 3 of chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 4. Um, and, and we'll cycle through this section in a couple of episodes. Um, it'll take us a while to get through it. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I encourage you to get a Bible or, or and pull out this text and read through it yourself. But I'm going to talk about it, and I'm hoping there's enough familiarity with everyone who's listening that you can you can follow along. And so the first thing I want to say is this section is divided and structured in terms of seven days. Um, six days of creation and then a seventh day of rest. And there's a progression in the six days that finds its culmination in humanity. So a couple of initial um, insights that come from that. Uh, Number one, um, there's a process that culminates with humanity. That tells us that the Bible's claiming and and the, the, the Hebrew worldview and the Christian worldview are all claiming that um, the rest of creation exists to realize humanity. The rest of creation exists to realize humanity. I think um, it's a common human intuition to think that we're the highest form, and that's part of what that means. But it's not just saying that we're better than or higher than. That's not really the point because there's a, there's a deep ethic of human responsibility to care for the rest of creation in Genesis 1 and 2. What it's saying is God did all this other stuff so we could have a place to live and have a place to meet with God. That's the heart of this chapter. God did all this so we would have a place to live and thrive and, and fulfill our purpose as humans and have a place to meet with God, a, a temple, as I mentioned before. So that's one thing to notice. So another thing to notice in this chapter is the way it's structured. So there are six days of creation. And one way of talking about them is to see it as a parallel between two sets of threes. There's days one through three and days four through six. And in days one through three, God forms and he says, let there be light in verse three. And he says in verse 6, let there be an expanse to separate water from water. And then on day 3, let dry ground appear. And then let that dry ground produce vegetation. Then in the second set of days, days 4 through 6, God moves from there letting there be light to letting there be particular lights, the sun and the moon, etc. So light gets solidified into lights and then the water that exists begins to teem with creatures and birds fly above it then the dry ground produces living creatures and also god gives every seed and seed bearing plant to be planted in the ground we're already starting to see garden language there by the by the way agricultural language which is garden language that's important so the picture here is kind of like 
God himself is having this liturgy and he's speaking back and forth in a call and response to take this formless world and bring it into order. And, and all these things come together to create this space where humanity can meet God. So that structure it, it reflects what I call a kind of liturgy, a kind of public worship, a kind of public procession of creation coming into being and coming into order and meaning. A second in- interesting thing that's happening here is um, each of the particular entities that God names in chapter one, like the moon, like the sun, different animals, those are things that the cultures around Israel worshipped. For example, in Egypt, they worshipped the sun god Ra. And of course, you imagine you're a person who lives in 3,000 years ago. There is none of the modern technology we have. doesn't mean you're unintelligent. I mean, look at the Great Pyramids. Brilliant engineering. But the kind of technology we have that kind of can buffer us from experience of nature doesn't exist. And you look in the sky and you see the sun. You would be tempted. You'd be tempted. And you don't know about what's beyond the sun like we know now. You'd be tempted to bow down and worship it. And just think, that's got to be some kind of God. That's got to be some kind of source of where I come from. It's so ominous and so overpowering. So it's understandable why people made this error. But in this chapter 1, which is is scripture, hence revelation from God, God speaking and saying, those are all good things. Boy, your impulse, ancient Near Eastern world, to see them as good things, thats I affirm that. But your impulse to worship them, that's wrong. They actually are created, and they're a gift from me to you. So part of what's going on in chapter 1 is it's kind of a an ancient Hebrew propaganda statement saying, don't worship the gods of the nations, worship the one true God. Well, that's enough for today, so we'll continue on in the next episode. God bless and have a great day.